Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 39 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up with our guest, Drew, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Drew Nye earned a bachelor's and master's degree in nuclear engineering from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, go Badgers, graduating in 2016. He had multiple internships during college and is currently a risk management engineer at Jensen Hughes. Welcome to the show, Drew. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Uh, hello, Jeff. Thanks for having me on, first of all. I'm excited to, to talk about my career and, and my career path. Pretty excited about engineering. And it's something I'd love to share my experience with um, all your listeners. You hit the highlights there. Let's see, I went to the University of Wisconsin. I studied nuclear engineering. And I continued at the University of Wisconsin and got my master's degree in nuclear engineering. And then ever since then, I, I guess I've had a pretty brief career so far. Two years in the nuclear power industry working for Jensen Hughes as a consultant for a nuclear power plant. All right. Thanks, Drew, for that. And you are the first nuclear engineer on the podcast. So this is new for STEM Nation. It's new for me. I don't really know any nuclear engineers. So could you fill in what type of career opportunities are available in nuclear engineering? Oh, sure. When I went to Wisconsin, we mostly focused on the power side of nuclear, but really radiation is something that's applied in a lot of different fields. So there's a medical application for radiation with uh, different medical um, imaging or uh, cancer treatment. And then besides that, there's medical physics, which is uh, people who decide radiations like biological effect on the body and what's a good radiation dose or an acceptable radiation dose uh, for workers in the field. And then what I focused on in school was kind of how to make a nuclear reactor. It's a lot of mechanical engineering type stuff. In nuclear engineering, so in the curriculum, you have you have both a, a bachelor's and a master's degree. And you had mentioned that you could go into like nuclear medicine or you focused on the, the, the power generation and designing a nuclear reactor. At what point would a would a student have to determine whether or not they want to go down, let's say, the nuclear imaging or the power distribution? You know, for us at Wisconsin, it was basically senior year. So you're taking, at least most engineering students at Madison, the first two years, you're taking pretty much the same classes as everyone else. Junior year, you started to get into more nuclear classes. And then senior year is when you really decide, okay, I want to go the radiation sciences route or the, the nuclear power route. For a lot of radiation science folks, they do need to continue and get like a PhD. So you had mentioned you went down the, the, the power generation route or designing nuclear reactors, and you said that was heavy mechanical engineering. So could you actually go into into your field, kind of the nuclear reactor design, with a mechanical engineering degree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that most of the, the engineers I work with at the power plant don't have nuclear engineering degrees specifically. With mechanical engineering, I think it gives you a broad base in power systems and heat transfer and fluids, so it makes you a good fit for working at a power plant. But I also work with civil engineers, electrical engineers, chemical engineers uh, at the plant who they don't design the reactor per se, but they work in roles that support keeping the plant running. So with your nuclear engineering background, what are the skills that you have that allows you to do something different that maybe the mechanical or the civil or the chemical engineer could not? Well, a lot of my classes senior year focused on the radiation side of things. So uh, when you're 
for example, designing a nuclear reactor, you focus on a number of different parameters, but one of them being, do you have enough critical radioactive elements together to create a sustained nuclear reaction? And that's something that you don't get if you study other types of engineering. And then beyond that, we look at you know, radiation and the different types of radiation and how it affects you biologically and how it interacts with other matter. And then beyond that, we also looked at um, the heat that's generated from nuclear reactions. And I guess on the power side, we look at, at how do you remove that heat well enough to keep your reactor core cool and make sure it doesn't melt. For folks out there listening that may not be familiar with nuclear reactors, um, you know, there's way back in the day, probably before you were born, I'm a little bit older, uh, <laughs> there was the, the Three Mile Island, you know, m- you know, the meltdown of nuclear reactors. There's stuff in, in Russia you know, where the nuclear reactors went down. How, how safe is a nuclear reactor? Oh, that's a great question. So I think one thing that's unique to nuclear power versus other ways we make energy is that the consequences of an accident can be a lot higher than uh, anything else. So with, with nuclear power, we really uh, focus on establishing a, like a culture of safety where we um, try to be extra conservative with our assumptions and we build in a lot of margin and have a lot of contingency plans in place for when there are bad days and things do go unplanned. But from an actual accident perspective and the safety of nuclear power plants, it's uh, our safety record is pretty much unmatched by anything else. Um, the research I've done shows that uh, there are like fewer deaths from associated with nuclear power than any other way we make electricity. And that's just because we do have such a high attention to safety and a high sensitivity to the effect of radiation, and we, we are aware that the, the consequences of an accident could be so large that we do a good job preventing those accidents. Um, since you mentioned it, though, Three Mile Island is the one in America that uh, the one meltdown we've ever experienced in America um, happened about 40 years ago, and um, the plant, uh, the reactor core did melt, but no radiation was really released to the environment. As a result of that, it was all contained, and um, no one was really harmed from that accident. Thanks for that, Drew. And Fusion versus nuclear reaction. Do you get into any of the into the developments of fusion power in your curriculum? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, that's that's a career path I kind of neglected to mention earlier. But on the nuclear power side of things, right now we we mostly focus on fission, which is splitting atoms to um, make heat and make power. On the fusion side, that's something we're aiming for in the future, where you fuse atoms together to create some kind of sustained chain reaction that can do the same thing. Right now, that's more of a research level of career, so it'd be like folks who get PhDs and are um, very physics-heavy, technical-minded people are doing research to develop a way to make that commercial um, way we can actually make power. So right now, I guess most people who study nuclear engineering don't go down that path. I think there's definitely an opportunity to get exposed to, to classes like that, though, if you go to a, a university with a nuclear engineering program. Right, Drew. And what would you describe as your specific area of expertise? I guess on a day-to-day basis, my job is kind of like, well, let me back up a step and say nuclear power plants are kind of unique because they run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're always on. doesn't matter if the wind is blowing or the sun is shining or there's a gas shortage. We're pretty much running all the time. And so they do a lot of what's called online maintenance. So the plant is running and they'll have to take out, like, for example, a, a safety system or a some kind of pump or a valve or a motor and and do some kind of surveillance testing on it or preventative maintenance to make sure that it 
if we do have an accident, that it will work the way it's supposed to. So what I help them with is before we do online maintenance, we have to assess the risk associated with that. So we say, okay, if we take out this pump, what other equipment do we need to be like keep an eye on it and protect to make sure that say we do have an accident while we're doing maintenance, um, that we're still able to have this system work the way it's supposed to. So I help them with basically assessing the risk associated with doing online maintenance. All right, Drew. And what is one thing that really has you fired up about nuclear engineering and where do you see it's headed? One unique thing about nuclear engineering or nuclear energy for me is the fact that it has the potential to create so much carbon-free electricity. And so right now we get carbon-free electricity from a few different sources. We have wind power, we have solar power, hydroelectric power, nuclear, um, and those are like the big hitters. And of those, almost 60% of our carbon-free electricity comes from nuclear. So for me, for the future, I guess I'd like to see some kind of credit for nuclear power being a clean source of energy. As it stands right now, I think that the nuclear power industry is kind of at this weird reckoning where it's pretty expensive to build plants and to maintain these plants. Um, And they're kind of being forced right now to make some trade-offs with cost. But I think for the future, a goal with nuclear power is to develop basically passive safety systems that don't require electricity. So there's a company called NuScale that created a nuclear reactor Uh, that uses no pumps to cool the core. So it does this thing called natural circulation. And without any pumps at all, it will naturally circulate coolant over the core to not melt. So technology like that is is exciting to me because it shows that we can, even though our our safety record is pretty outstanding, we're getting even safer. And could you take us to a moment in time of an incredible aha moment you've had at work or your personal life and tell us a story and how you turn that aha moment into success? <laughs> um, I, was, I was really struggling with this question. I, I can't really think of a particular aha moment. I think when I'm solving problems, I, I kind of approach them like a puzzle and it's, it's one piece at a time and um, you're kind of in there solving it and you fix one thing here and you improve something there and then you're kind of in the zone and you take a step back and all of a sudden you you see this big picture and you you're able to take something complicated and and develop a way to make sense of everything all right drew hey we're going to transition a bit here and we're going to go back to when you started college not too many years ago for you but if you could go back to when you were 18 heading off to college what are some things you wish you knew back then that would help stemmers launch into college successfully so I think that people put a lot of weight, like a college decision, um, and what you're going to study. And I think it's not necessarily realistic to know, you know, what you want to study or, and definitely not what you want to do for the rest of your life. Um, so I guess I would encourage people going to college just to keep an open mind and try out a, a bunch of new things. Um, and then, you know, me, I actually, I don't know if you knew this, but I started off at the University of Minnesota my freshman year. Um, and I was studying chemical engineering. And that's kind of when I I started doing more research about what I wanted to do when I you know, graduated and when I found nuclear power and the nuclear engineering program at Wisconsin and said, oh, that looks like fun. I think I want to do that. I think that there's always an opportunity to, to change paths in college, um, transfer schools, transfer majors. They definitely give you wiggle room to, to do something like that. So I guess I would say don't, don't feel too much pressure to, to know the exact path you want to take. And it's okay to have a lot of interests and you never know when you know, even things like, I don't know, hobbies can turn into a, a much a much bigger thing. Like if you're into gaming, maybe you, you know, become some kind of coder and then that coding could take you down any number of different paths. 
I don't know. I would say just keep an open mind. Heading from college into your career, so you've been uh, out practicing for a couple of years. What do you think are some key attributes that you need to be successful starting out in, after college? Honestly, number one is something you don't really learn in a classroom. It's just the ability to have a conversation. So I think um, that's something you can practice all the time is when you're talking to someone, what are some ways that you can be a better listener and ask good follow-up questions and get them to open up to you in a way that makes someone like you pretty much. And I think that, you know, as I said, you don't need to learn that in a classroom, but it is something you can intentionally practice when you're in college, especially when you're trying to make new friends. When you're a freshman, you're meeting all these new people. Um, you're in new classes all the time. You're always exposed to new new social situations. And I would say that's that's number one. Yeah, STEM Nation, listen before speaking. And Drew, we're going to take a quick pause and thank our sponsor, Audible, who's offering a free audiobook. You can head over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com to get a free audiobook of your choosing. If you decide to cancel within 30 days, there's no cost, and you keep the audiobook. And it's time for the lightning round. Drew, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? This is one I heard recently, but and it kind of hits on what I just said. It's you can't listen with your mouth open. And what's a personal habit that contributes to your success? Doing your best to have a positive attitude. So example I have at work now is when people offer you feedback or criticize your work, it, you can kind of feel a little bit defensive or a tendency to, to think those people offering you feedback are wrong. In, in your mind, you should just train yourself to say thank you for your feedback and look at it in a positive way. Yep, say thanks for your feedback. Uh, they're giving you feedback because they care about you, not because they want to ding you. Yes, exactly. And what is your favorite internet resource or phone app and why? I'm addicted to Spotify, I would say. <laughs> um, I listen to a lot of music and music helps me keep me entertained in the car, keep me entertained when I'm uh, working on things that are not the most exciting sometimes. And that's what I would say is my number one. Spotify. And if you took some time to read a book, what would you recommend and why? Right now, I'm reading Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. It's, it's about judgment and how human beings are controlled by their emotions more than what's logically best for them. And it's given me a lot of good insights into like knowing myself and how I make decisions, too. That's definitely one I would recommend. Thinking Fast and Slow. And Drew, as we wrap up here, could you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation? And then we will say goodbye. Parting piece of guidance. I would say... Uh, you know, if you're going to go to college and study engineering, you might at some point be challenged with the amount of schoolwork you're doing. And I would say do your best to, to make a lot of friends and still be social, whether it means doing homework with other engineering students or, um, you know, deciding that, hey, you know, you could take a B plus in, in a class and have a little bit more free time to hang out with people. Um, that's what I would say. All right. Thanks for that, Drew. And we will say goodbye. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So I hope you enjoyed our discussion today with Drew. Head on over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. We have surpassed 10,000 total downloads, which is great. Thank you to the audience. And if you're willing to share it with one other person that you think would appreciate it, we would appreciate it as well. Tune in next week where we talk with Luke, who is a mixed signal integration architect. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.